I want to talk a little bit about just the illusion that security guys like me uh, think we have control over our environment. And, and, and myself, I have 33,000 users, about as many desktops, 50,000 software components, a bunch of different versions, hundreds of applications, tens of network devices, billions of network events a day. And I think I can control this environment with monthly CMDB updates or monthly patching. That's not going to happen. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. That's Aurobindo Sundaram, a.k.a. Robin, a friend and fellow advisory board member at one of the cyber companies I advise. Robin is also CISO at RelX, the parent company of LexisNexis and Elsevier. Robin is very prolific on LinkedIn and throws out a ton of great ideas there. I highly suggest you guys follow him. Robin, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch. Alan, it's an absolute pleasure to be here from sunny India. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. From sunny India. All right. We have recorded all around the planet at this point on this show. I love I love this. I love the internet. All right. So our subject today that we're talking about is embracing our imperfection and our incompleteness. In other words, there's the old saying that, what, what is it? Perfection is the... The enemy the, of good. The, the enemy of good, right? And in cyber specifically, I think we sometimes fall for that perfection trap. And I think the example that you and I came up with to start was uh, CMDB. So the whole idea is nobody's CMDB is perfect. Nobody has completion. Nobody has absolutely every asset identified and registered in the CMDB. So if we're going to embrace our imperfection and our incompleteness, let's start with that CMDB example, Robin. Yeah, that's How a the great heck do question. We do you, you know, the, before we talk about CMDB, I want to talk a little bit about just the illusion that security guys like me uh, think we have control over our environment. And, and, and myself, I have 33,000 users, about as many desktops, 50,000 software components, a bunch of different versions, hundreds of applications, tens of network devices, billions of network events a day. And I think I can control this environment with monthly CMDB updates or monthly patching. That's not going to happen, right? And, and so my whole concept around embracing imperfection is not about giving up. It's about a deeper understanding of what's actually important and it's about making these kind of risk decisions or operational decisions while the environment's changing around you and the data you have in your environment is of limited confidence. And so that's sort of the perfect lead-in to CMDBs. Um, and, 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 and so you know as well as I do, as soon as you get to scale, CMDBs work great for 100 machines. When you get to 33,000 machines that are changing constantly, that have agents that fail maybe 0.1% of the time, and that's like real machines once you start adding that up. You, usually what happens is you implement a CMDB, you spend the first six months, 12 months saying, yep, everything's perfect, everything's perfect, and then you know that creep over time, and suddenly three years later you wake up and your CMDB is out of shape and you only found out because you had a security incident. And so my thought around embracing imperfection with CMDBs is really um, three steps. One is you implement the CMDB. The second is you have got to create automation to tease out 
process and inaccuracy issues. And then the third part is you define parameters for escalation, right? So at what point do I care enough to take one of my well-paid security engineers to go digging? Is it at 1% out of date? Is it at 5%? Don't know. It doesn't matter. The number doesn't really matter. But if I've got seven machines out of 33,000 that aren't up to date for whatever reason, I'm much more inclined to say, screw it. We'll let it update. If the next month it's still around seven, I'm still happy. I move on, right? It's only when those numbers start getting to that threshold that I, that I really care. And so it's sort of, as I was thinking about CMDB, I was like, what do we use concepts like this for? DLP is another one, right? No, almost nobody ever caught a malicious employee stealing off bits of data with DLP. The ones they've caught are mostly large uh, data exfils where an employee's been fired and he's shooting his whole customer book and you catch it just by chance because it's so big. Or it's bad process where a single process that's set up is shooting out hundreds of emails unsecurely and you catch them, you fix the process, and you move on, right? And, and so it's not, DLP isn't about the little things like inside a threat where I'm sending out a social security number here, a credit card there. It's about the biggies, the obvious things, and it's about bad process. And sort of I think of CMDB similar to that is we're not chasing 33,000 uh, systems updated. We're not choose, chasing 100%. We're choosing some. We're chasing somewhere between 90 and 100%, and we're chasing the right parameters for escalation to say something's wrong. Let's go look at it. So that, that's sort of how I look at CMDB and, and imperfection. Okay. So so I get what you're saying about the escalation parameters. Talk to me a little bit more about that step two, the automation. Yeah. Piece. Sure. Um, with, without, we'll talk. I'll stay on CMDB for a moment, but without getting a whole lot into the weeds on it, you have plenty of data sources, right? So you've got the CMDB where you think different streams of data are coming in, right? You, you may be getting something from your Windows systems, you may be getting something from your EDR systems, and and and, and whatnot. The hard part, and and in in some sense, the easy part at the same time, is to decide. How are you going to, in your CMDB, meld and, and merge them together to find those inconsistencies? And you're going to have inconsistencies, right? So you're going to have one machine report version 1, another, the same machine report maybe 1.1, and a third machine report, report 1.2. And, and so kind of when you merge them all together, you're hoping, if you've got your tools implemented right, that of the 33,000 systems that are all feeding in from different data points into your CMDB, and you as you as you merge them with with the, whether it's by machine name or IP address or whatever else, that 32,000 of them are set up right because software works correctly most of the time. They're set up right. They're consistent. Everything's great. Of the other thousand that you that you that you look at, the the automation is to say you know what 800 of these making up numbers again, are temporal errors, which means one feed is behind another and they will most likely catch up on your next update. And so you throw those away. You basically, you, you just flag them as clean. And then the other last 200, say, are the ones that are not consistent and there's no easy way to figure it out or, or say they'll catch up. 
And is that 200 something you care about? Maybe not, right? So the, the urge is that you chase after those 200. And then tomorrow when there's another 200, you chase after those and you chase after those. And so you end up in a security, yeah, you're just chasing. All you're doing is chasing. And so my thought around imperfection is to say, let those 200 be, because it may be an issue that you just don't know about. If they're still the same, if they're 200 tomorrow, if they're 200 day after, if you're generally steady, for the most part, you leave it and march on. If those numbers start fluctuating, or, or in particular, if they start rising, because if you have inconsistencies over time, they will get worse, right? It's that sort of you're you're hitting you're you're cracking the whip, and it's not going so fast at the at the edge of the whip, but as you go further, it gets worse and faster. And and so if that 200 goes to 300 and then to 400, that's where you hit that escalation point of okay. Once a month, I'm going to get an engineer to look at stuff rather than uh, four times a week, I'm going to get an engineer to look at stuff. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's exactly right. It's, it's a batch methodology with the assumption and a reasonable assumption of that, that time is going to address a bunch of the stuff in your batch. So your batch that you run in a month is going to be more or less about the same size of the batch if you were to run it every day for, for, for a month, right? Because stuff breaks. Right? We just spoke about how environments change so often and, and so much. Stuff's going to kind of tweak and change a bit each time, and it'll fix itself on the next iteration. And you just right. have to especially wait. Especially if and it is patient. temporal in nature, right? Like you're it's just going to see a steady 200, but a different 200 every time, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and so that's another that that's a perfect point, right? If it's a different 200 each time, it is temporal. Uh, but if you see the same, you know, after a month, you see it's been mostly this uh, different 200, but there's a hundred machines that have appeared 28 out of 30 days. Those are the hundred you really care about, not the 200 times 30 over the over the course of the month. Okay. Okay. Excellent. All right. So we've talked CMDB. We've talked DLP. We hinted at patch management. Mm -hmm. um, what other realms do we find ourselves falling short where we're always trying to embrace the perfection and we should just be embracing the imperfection? You know, and I'm thinking, I don't know, we've already covered patch management, but vuln management, you know, <laughs> yeah. what, what other areas, right? Like agent deployment. I mean, there's a million spaces and places where we tend to fall short of 100% where yeah. we get hung up on that. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's great, right? You're right about patch management and, and vulnerability management is exactly the same concept and, and, and essentially the same types of steps. Um, and, 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 and that's where it's around resetting expectations, right? Um, in, in, in our case, for example, which company has ever had an internal vulnerability scanning program where they say, okay, we're done and in steady state? They always have hundreds of issues, right? And 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 so you're like, okay, we'll 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 patch quicker. That doesn't work because stuff breaks. Um, you say we'll we'll get a SWAT team to bring it down to an acceptable level, and then it'll be business as usual. That never works. And 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 so it's about resetting expectations, right? It's about saying, and and I think in in some of these, in some of these scenarios, I think imperfection and prioritization kind of go hand in hand. And it's around resetting some of our expectations to say, what's really important? I've got 
an elephant to eat? Do I really want to eat the whole elephant or, you know, sort of the fillet equivalent of the elephant? Right, right, right. So, yeah, start with your criticals. Uh, start with your criticals that you know are Internet-facing. Start with, you know, those, those that kind of triaging. That is exactly that kind of triaging. It's it's the criticals. It's the criticals that are internet facing. It's the criticals that, for example, have been on, say, a CISA bulletin as actively being exploited. It's you know uh, criticals that you know you don't have a patch for and won't have a mitigation for for a while. And when you look at that, suddenly this universe of seven thousand issues becomes a universe of one hundred and fifty. And those are the ones that are the most risk, sort of almost 80-20 principle-ish. Those are the 150 that are the most important. And if you only spend a little bit of time saying, I don't care about these raw numbers, I care about the important numbers, you'd get there. And and if you play the law of averages, you'd be, you'd be right almost all the time. Right. I get that. I get that. So any other areas? I'm trying to think of other places yeah, where fish, you know, fishing we, simulations we... is another one. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get your click rates down to zero. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I remember like five years ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was exactly five years ago. I put out this thing to our company where I'm like, we're going to be fish free by 2023. Uh, and, and, you know, a year in, I was like, there is no way in heck that's ever going to happen. And besides, that's the wrong goal. Uh, and, and so what I tell myself and I tell my CEO and I tell my board and they all nod happily because I'm being realistic and pragmatic, I tell them 3% of our population. The number isn't important. It could be 1% one month. It could be 2% one month, 3% one month. About 3% of our population is always going to click on some some uh, phishing email, right? Because they're running to work. They're tired. They're just doing too many things, blah, blah, blah. And it's the same concept like we had with uh, CMDB earlier, Alan. And that is, as long as it's not the same 3% each month, right. you're okay. That's what I was just about to get to. Repeat offenders is your is your critical yes. area to focus on. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the kinds of things you want to be solving for for your, for your phishing program is not the chase down to zero. It's solve for repeat clickers, solve for quick reporting, solve for more people reporting, and then solve for how you respond when people report stuff to you in with actual fishes. How quickly, when someone clicks and says, this is a fish, right? Not in a simulation, but in a, in, it's a real fish. When they click and say, this is a fish, how quickly does your team respond to go off and investigate, triage, stamp out the issue, stamp it across the enterprise, all that other good stuff? Because a phishing simulation is not just about testing the user it's, it's about testing, testing the your own team yeah, yeah it's about testing response for when it actually does happen and so and so never mind that whole zero business i mean I, I feel like you've got to at least benchmark yourself against you know whatever the industry benchmark is for a particular simulation and 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 kind of generally try to be under that but i i, I the three percent for me is stable stakes everyone's we're always going to have a give or take approximate approx three percent failure rate or a click rate, but what I'd really like to measure is how many of my folks noticed it was a fish slash simulation and clicked the button, and 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 how quickly when actual fishes come in, how quickly do we analyze and turn around and solve the problem enterprise wide? Um, another one that I've thought through 
which we as an industry have done. So I'm not sure why sometimes we're so resistant to it. It's around that whole assume breach scenario, right? Which is the whole premise of zero trust. If you were doing things right, the security way, you'd say put all your money into prevention because once you prevent everything, what do you need much you don't of need detect, a, yeah, you don't need detect, respond, recover. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason we don't do that is because we'd be laughed out of the room and we know it doesn't work, right? We know attackers are smart. We know systems don't update. We know someone will leave a firewall rule open. We know an application won't be patched or has a bug in it. And, so and we, even if we are somehow perfect, we know zero days exist. And we know zero days exist, right? And and that we are, you know, even in my company, let's say we've got 33,000 people that are really smart and everything else. There's another 8.3 billion people that are out there who find holes that we've missed. And so we, we, we're perfectly fine doing imperfection with our overall kind of cybersecurity framework. But that's new, right? Alan, you and I have been around long enough to where admitting, yep, we're going to be hacked, was heresy. Right? 20 years ago, it's like, are we secure? And it's like, it's a yes, no question. And can you prevent every attack? It's a yes, no question. There never was a situation of, uh, okay, stuff's going to fail, then what? And and now we're doing that. And if, if we do a little bit more of that with other things that we do, operational security programs, I think we'll save ourselves a lot of pain and make better risk decisions, honestly. Let's pause right there for a quick word about Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all. Alan Alford here to tell you about Alan Alford Consulting. After being a CISO five times, I decided to launch my own cybersecurity consulting practice. My cybersecurity career has spanned companies ranging from five to 50,000 employees, with revenues ranging from $2 million on up to $10 billion. I have worked in the cybersecurity industry itself, telecommunications, manufacturing, education, legal, data services, defense contracting, and for a number of SaaS providers as well. What I can do for your organization is to help you better manage, measure, report on, and more importantly, execute on your cybersecurity program. I have helped clients employ cybersecurity frameworks, conduct maturity assessments, develop board reports, and even to draft comprehensive three-year plans with budget and headcount projection to meet compliance and maturity goals. I can help you with anything from an assessment to comprehensive execution. I also offer retainer packages. Find out more at allenalford.com. That's A-L-L-A-N-A-L-F-O-R-D.com. I like that a lot. And, you know, we, we've touched on the whole program now, and, and I think that's a brilliant model for this, the CSF framework, because, yes, three-fifths of it uh, assumes non-perfection. I mean, by, by yeah. definition, that's exactly it. Three-fifths of it assumes non-perfection. Um, and back to the identify protect, why are those two separate categories? You can't protect everything because you haven't identified everything. So it's almost like the whole framework is is embracing your philosophy here. Yeah, it it, it really is. And, and and really what CSF is telling you is there isn't a magic uh, silver bullet, right? It's it's five little bronze bullets, which if the if you use them well enough and and and, and interlace them and make sure the dependencies are well mapped out and and you kind of use five imperfect bronze bullets yes yep yes maybe you could kill a werewolf right 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 that's ex yeah right? that's it more I often like that, than not like you will metaphor. be able to yeah yeah i like that metaphor a lot so i'm going to play devil's advocate now we're going to pivot and i'm going to say all right let's challenge this idea of embracing imperfection and i'm thinking now about rollouts if cmdb is imperfect then anything we choose to roll out to our estate is by definition an imperfect rollout as well right yeah yeah in other words, I'm, I don't know, I'm pushing EDR agents or I'm pushing 
Yep. Uh, CMDB agents themselves or whatever it might be. I'm trying to identify my estate, push something to every unit in that estate. And obviously, if I haven't identified my whole state, then I'm not going to be able to push everything to every unit. So now I have licenses I've paid for. I have mm-hmm. agents sitting idle, not being used. I have shelfware, right? And I also yeah. have um, exposed machines that don't have the thing on them, whatever, for whatever value of the thing it might be, a DLP client, a EDR, it's, you know, all that. So how do we embrace perfection in that scenario? It's almost like we're saying shelfware is okay to a certain extent. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the phrase to a certain extent. Right, so it's not about um, push the button and hope. And I know we see those. Uh, one of the three pieces of our security strategy is hope, along with denial and luck. Right, but you're not pushing out stuff in a rollout and saying, "Oh, I hope everything goes well." But you're not also saying, "I am going to spend every waking moment of all my engineers' lives trying to figure out the one machine of the forty thousand I think I have." to make sure that one is rolled out and, and, and solid. And, and the reason why it's sort of almost a little bit like Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, right? The more you go kind of looking for something, there's something else on the side breaking. And so you're going off to Bermuda searching for that one laptop that hasn't checked in, and you're spending these engineer resources while 50 machines in London are falling apart, and that's kind of really where you should have been, should be or should have been concentrating your resources. And so this almost, your question about rollout kind of comes full circle down to uh, the, the whole CMDB question of um, we know what we have in the CMDB. We accept and embrace the fact that it's maybe 98% accurate at any given time. And we try to push to everything that we can. And then we match it up against the CMDB. And we say, okay, imperfect CMDB, 98% or so. We got another 98% of that piece that we just um, completed the rollout to. Now I have possibly 2% of sort of errors and 2% of unknowns. Is that something I care about enough? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. For EDR, maybe you say, guys, we're going to spend another week chasing down those 4%. Um, If it is a Visio or or a drawing software, you just fix on fail because you're like, no, not doing it. Someone will complain. Yeah, screen when, testing. Yeah, 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 screen testing, exactly, exactly. And and so it, it becomes a tolerance issue, really. Um, you've got to do the best you can within kind of this framework of good enough that you lay out, even, even, on, even on security software. I, I don't think it makes a difference whether it's Visio or uh, EDR. I think your tolerances might be a little bit different, right, because you want to get to more machines with your EDR than you care about with Visio. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. And I'm going to pivot again. Uh, I had a, I had a BISO on my show recently. We we did a, an all BISO show and one of them pointed out, he was sort of casually talking about the fact that every company is now a technology company, uh, it, which was a, a bit of a, you know, bit of a, an exaggeration, right? But, but it, it, it hit home that I've got friends who work in retail and guess what? There's now online sites for the retail, for every retail company, there's an online site, right? Uh, you work at, at um, Relex. And we've got LexisNexis, which at the end of the day is a massive technology offering, not just an information offering. There's a technology platform to deploy. Every company I have worked for has had some sort of web presence, some sort of SaaS presence, some sort of 
technology presence for the community. And granted, I've worked in companies that identify as technology companies, but but even the non-technology companies did as well. And so I'm wondering how do we go about with this embracing imperfection when we're talking about product teams, dev teams. You know, let's say your company has a SaaS app and a CI/CD pipeline that produces that app. Where does this embracing imperfection um, get us in that realm? Yeah, no, that's... I think that's a little bit different. Okay. And I think the reason for that, and I don't think you embrace imperfection to the extent that you do with user and, and kind of corporate environments. And I think the reason for that is you do have the control or maybe more the ability to control the environment, right? So if you're doing a, a, a CI/CD pipeline, for instance, and okay, we're continuously integrating, continuously deploying, um, you do have that ability to embed tools, processes, whatever else into the middle of that CI/CD workflow. And you also have the ability to also to use automation to do all that you want to do in terms of compliance checks, security checks, code checks, whatever else, without much fear of change, right? So it's, it's a container. Much of the underlying OS, for instance, and libraries and whatnot uh, are going to stay the same. It, it's, it's very lightly changing and very lightly controlled change from a bunch of developers. Um, and, and so in that scenario, I'm perfectly cool with the philosophy going so go to perfection, right? So it is essentially you don't get to go to production deployment without a passing score, whatever that passing score is. And, and I think that's where if you say, eh, it's okay, let them go to production with a couple of sub fives because right, imperfection, right, right. I think you shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Right? I'd agree with that fully. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. So we found a place where the model doesn't apply. It, yeah, um, indeed. Well, there's last, another place, actually, if, yeah. I, if I can speak about it for a sec. Absolutely. And that's, okay, so that's around like strictly controlled environments, like classified environments, or, or you're building software to run a car or a rocket. If you can, if you have the money and the dollars and the resources to throw to force control, then there's nothing that prevents you from stop from getting to a 100% perfect score for whatever you want, right? If you got the money and you can throw money at it and you're at 99.5%, should I stop? Or can I throw 100 people at it to get it to get it to 100%, 100%? Yeah, you know what? If it's a moon rocket taking people to to space and to the moon, you probably want to spend that extra 100 people to get it to 100%, right? So there are, there are different cases where whether you have good control over something or it's mission critical enough where you say, screw it, I want perfection. Right. It's it's the same conversation we always have on this show where we talk about, you know, it's really about the value of the risk, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if the risk is critical enough to the business, you're going to invest. If it's not, eh, not so much, right? Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right. Last pivot. Um, and I'm thinking about, you know, everything we've talked about so far has been technology. What about GRC? What about the entire GRC side of the house? Where does embracing the imperfection fit in the GRC space? What what foibles do we have chasing mm -hmm. perfection there, and where do we uh, where do we go for embracing the imperfection there? Dude, Alan, we could do a whole podcast on <laughs> just this. You know, yeah. you put your post on LinkedIn a, a couple of weeks ago about a different model for quantitative uh, analysis, right? Mm -hmm. And and so when I look at GRC, uh, and I'll we'll just talk about enterprise risk assessment to scope it down a little bit. There's a couple of competing thoughts, right? One is you quantify everything, you know, you use FAIR or whatever else, you get you get raw numbers on your um, 
annual life expectancy, and then you fit your program with controls or transfers or whatever else to address the risk. And then the other piece, which most companies do today, is heat maps, right? You got this big, big old heat map, and then you re- rely on expert judgment to get to heat maps, and then you fit your program. Right, we're going to fix so the reds. We're going to fix the reds, and right, and and so everybody knows this. What ends up happening is you you get kind of a a, a curve like a C, where mm-hmm. most of your risks end up in green, but you can't say you're all green. So you you kind of are like, yeah, you know what? Maybe something is orange. And then if you right. really want the money, you move something over to red, red to send a message. But it doesn't matter whether using fair or whatever else or heat maps, because. Um, in either case, it comes down to you never can know exact answers. You can't say we should have spent X dollars on a risk uh, because the world changes quickly. I mean, I didn't have ransomware on my enterprise risk register in 2015. I, I kind of do now. And, and so when it comes to imperfection, I think it's not so much about skipping steps as it is to say, when I throw this dart about the the impact of a phishing assessment, I don't necessarily care if it lands in green on the border of yellow or if it lands all the way in yellow. It's the general area where it lands, right? So it's not supposed to pass a strict financial muster. It's 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 really about establishing priorities and uh, measures of progress. And and so you're like. Yes, I know this stuff is in green, but really it, it's quite risky because this plus a couple of other greens that go wrong could land us in Sue. And, and so I tell my board that, yes, I've got a bunch of stuff in green, but it's about consolidated risk. And I say, I don't know if a phishing attempt or a phishing attack will wipe out our company. The worst it's ever cost us has been 20 grand, but I'm asking you to kind of trust me because from our org's experience, my professional judgment, and other organizations' experience with large-scale attacks, it's a big risk. And so you're saying, I don't know all the facts. I don't know what the actual costs are, but I know the general direction of the costs and therefore the general direction of the stuff I need to do to keep those costs under control. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I think what we're saying is GRC already is the art of embracing the imperfection, right? Like, in other words... I don't think we're seeing a space where perfection is our enemy in GRC. I don't know. I don't know that I've seen anybody chasing after perfection in GRC or, or in a, you know, I would say things like, um, I'm trying to think, you know, policy rollouts, those kinds of things, maybe trying to get full comprehensive coverage, making sure that every corner case is in your policies. I think maybe that's one of those areas, you know, on the governance side of GRC. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm where maybe that just gets you in trouble. And it's like, guys, broaden the policy and make it good enough. Um, I don't know if there's any other ones there. And, you know, I, I was going to come up with another example that countered our whole argument here, this this whole embrace imperfection thing, and that is security awareness training. I have now worked at two companies where I got 100% of people to take their security awareness training. Did you do? Did you get that because you spanked them and told them they had to do it as a condition of employment? One time, uh, it was a company where your receiving of your annual bonus was was tied to that. <laughs> okay, like you don't get your bonus if you don't take your training. That one yeah. really works. Yeah, and the other one was honestly just um, just sending pretty please emails over and over and over until the last ones took it. 
Mm, okay. Well, yeah. So our security training is also kind of compliance based in that sense, and so we get a hundred percent on those. And the reason for that is we give them, I think, thirty or forty-five days to complete it, and then after that we start sending progressively kind of escalatory stuff. It, a note goes to them and their manager saying you're overdue, and then it goes to the next level manager, and eventually people get tired of it and and just do it. And they just do it. And they just do it. I, I don't know if it's a, it's a, if it's a tremendous use of our time to go chasing after those people, but there we have to embrace perfection because we have regulators and and federal laws and whatnot that control how we work, and they don't want to see us saying, "Ah, seventeen people out of thirty three thousand didn't do the training." Doesn't right. matter. Yeah, it we're doesn't okay matter, with it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we're okay with ninety nine five. Maybe we are. They aren't. And so maybe that's another kind of call out, Alan, is if you're in regulatory or compliance environments where something X is required, you don't have a choice to embrace imperfection. Right, right. I like that. All right. Well, Robin Sundaram, thank you so much for coming on down to the ranch all the way from sunny India. Where in India are you today? I'm in the south of India in a little village called Gobichettipalayam. It's my wife's in-laws place, and I'm just mm-hmm. here for four days. Right on. Well, I appreciate you calling in from there. That's a, that's a heck of a, a journey and a destination for your packets to, to find the ranch. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Indeed. Thank you so All much right. for having me, Alan. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you, and thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now.